you know, I talk to uh, I talk to the coaches about emotional deposits, um, and what I mean by that is, let me when you come in, let me use your name, let me say, hey, how are you? Let me fix your technique, like all these little things. Let me find out about you. I'm I'm giving you emotional deposits. Today's conversation is with Nani Arike. Nani is the head coach and co-owner of Auxiliary CrossFit here in Toronto. He's someone I admire for his consistent energy and commitment to his craft. I want to explore his ikigai through this conversation. Nanny and I cover a lot of different topics, including the early lessons he learned about hard work and gratitude from his family, the process he went through to make a significant career pivot in his life, the sport of CrossFit, and how he's building a community of like-minded athletes at his CrossFit gym. The one big thing I took from this interview is what Nanny calls emotional deposits. By focusing on putting positive emotional deposits with people around him, Nanny builds a community where people are supportive of each other. It's like compound interest for relationships in his life, and something simple enough for all of us to apply with the people and the communities that we surround ourselves with. This is the last episode of Season 1. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, There's exciting things brewing for season two, so I will see you all soon. But without further ado, here's my conversation with Nani Arike. All right, so welcome, Nani, to this episode of the Ikigai Project. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. I'm really honored that you asked for me to be here, and I'm really excited to to just have a good conversation. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to have you here because uh, over the past, say about nine months or so now, um, I've been part of the community at Auxiliary CrossFit, where you're the head coach. And um, I've just been really inspired by your energy, your passion for um, the sport, uh, how much you care about people improving their fitness. So as somebody who um, you know exudes in a way uh, their reason for being on an everyday basis with every workout with every conversation um it's great to have you here and uh have a conversation with me yeah that's awesome i'm super excited and yeah having you as part of the community has been really awesome i know we've had some great conversations on the back end after classes and things like that so i'm really pumped for this yeah me too um so I don't know if you've listened to other episodes before, but typically where I like to start these conversations is just kind of the origin story of the guest, Um, you know, where they grew up, um, maybe some of the formative experiences they've had at a young age, Um, anything you can share around just, you know, Nanny's origin story and, you know, two or or three minute um, soundbite. Tell me a little bit about, you know, who you were as a kid. Yeah, for sure. So um, I was originally born on a small island in Portugal um, in the Azores. Uh, the island's called Terceira. So that was the first place I called home. I lived there for quite a bit, but I still have some good memories. Just kind of roughed house a lot and got pushed around and things like that. And um, I moved to Toronto, Canada around four years old, uh, which is an interesting time to move as a kid. You know, I moved in the winter, so I was like, what the, what is this stuff going on over <laughs> here? It's so cold. Um, and so, you know, just the transition of like learning English and things like that. And, and uh, I had to make new friends quickly and especially at that age. And luckily, you know, I was always a conversationist. Like I love talking to people and learning new things. So, you know, I learned English through watching TV and cartoons and, and stuff like that. And so I kind of just 
grew up um, in Toronto pretty much the rest of my life. Um, you know, I grew up around the Keel Eglinton area, if that helps, but it was a, <laughs> once an interesting area. And so, hmm. you know, uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I came from. And throughout my whole life, I always had an interest in, you know, just moving and being outside. And so, you know, just, I never really got pushed to doing that stuff. It was just kind of always in me. Hmm. And so I just always played sports, was always active and just a thoughtful kid essentially into um, what I'm doing with my body Hmm. and things like that. So, yeah, that's kind of like some of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so moving here when you're four years old, um, you mentioned language as maybe something that you had to pick up, uh, obviously, and, uh, adjusting to this foreign substance of snow <laughs> for the <laughs> first time. Um, what other challenges did you have, um, you know, making the move here to, to Canada? I think it was just, it was really just adapting to, I guess, a different culture. Um, so just kind of the way you're, I was used to things there, like most of my family's back home uh, in Portugal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were always around cousins and, and big groups of family and things like that. And we're very tight knit that way. Whereas like coming here, it was like, it went from this massive, you know, amount of people to just now a small group. So you become immediately closer with, uh, the, those closest to you, which for me was just my parents and uh, my uncle at the time. Hmm. And so we just did everything together. So immediately at like four years old, the majority of people I hung around were adults. Hmm. Um, all my cousins were always significantly older than me. So I had to like mature kind of quickly. Right. Um, because they were just, they would have, they would talk to me like I was an adult, not like I was four years old. So I had to like, you know, learn how to have good conversations with them as well. And not that I didn't have a a good childhood because I still made friends on the street. We still, you know, I did the whole park the bike on the lawn type of thing. And, Mm. and we kind of mess around, but that was really it. It's just, you went from having, you know, 20 people in a household to now I'm only with three other people. And Mm. it's just interesting at the, the, the quality experience you get with those three to four people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That I, that piece around becoming an adult faster is is really interesting because I, I'd imagine that probably carries on to your adult life too, where the way that you interact with others because you've had that sense of maybe responsibility or acting older than you than you um, are, um, as it's just some something that has become part of who you are and and your character. Um, I can kind of relate to that a little bit um, just as, you know, not in the same extent, but like as an older sibling, I've always been told to like act older than I I should be. So um, what's, you know, just looking back at maybe your early years, um, was there any significant experience that you kind of reflect on now and think, okay, you know, maybe that, that had a big impression in my life that, 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 that was a moment that um, has, still an impact in, in my, uh, in my day to day today. Yeah, for sure. So moving from, moving from another country, uh, especially kind of where I'm from, people, uh, tend to struggle a little bit. So moving to a new mm-hmm. country, that's even harder. Um, especially Toronto, like it's a bigger city. So watching, you know, the, the financial hardships that, you know, my family went through here, definitely 
left an impression on me uh, up until now, because mm. the one thing I always wanted was security. And, mm. but I never tried to, even as a kid, I never saw the negatives in things. I never thought, oh, we don't have this. This is why we're not happy or, you know, why we don't have clothes. I just kind of saw it as they're working really hard to give themselves a better life. Mm -hmm. They're working really hard for me. And, you know, as an only child, I recognized that and I saw that. So I never took it for granted, or at least I never, I don't think I did. So I just immediately took that into mind and like, hey, you know what? They're working really hard. I need to do the exact same thing. And like, you know, where can you work hard at six, seven years old? It's in school and your efforts and your chores. Um, so, you, you know, you just kind of like try to do what you can, what's within your control hmm. to, to just be a better person, a better son, a better nephew to, to, you know, those people who are directly around me at that time. Hmm. And so that's always been a thing uh, that I've carried on. It's just, the amount of respect that I have for the people around me who worked really hard to, to give me a better life um, and themselves. And it's really cool years later to see kind of, you know, we're, we're in a much more comfortable scenario. I'm truly doing what I love. And I think that's a result of having that hard work and that I'm, I wasn't driven by materials necessarily, but other than I just want to make my life better. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And that, I think that's the biggest thing as a kid. It's just respect the process and things will be okay. Right. Right. Yeah. I love that. Um, how, so watching that at an early age, watching your parents work so hard um, to put food on the table and, and make sure you're comfortable and, and you have everything you need to grow and succeed. Um, how, how does that shape your mindset? now um you know do you are, are there any kind of habits or practices that you put into your life today where it, you know you think about um the importance of hard work and just putting that into to practice the most important thing that i took and like i said even at 10 11 years old i was such a thoughtful kid and observing and and the one thing that i had right away was gratitude and i practiced that every day and you know, I don't, I don't have a journal or anything. I just wake up grateful for everything that I have. And you kind of, at a young age, you realize how many good times you had with just the people around you. Hmm. And, and so that's the one thing that I immediately, you know, think about when I look back, it's, I just had a good time. Like we shared laughs all the time, all the time at a dinner table. You know, it was the conversations at breakfast. It was, you know, you know, the car slipping out on the, from under you because it's the snow and we would laugh about <laughs> things, right? And, yeah. and it was just being interactive with people showed me that that's really what mattered is yeah. the people around you and developing those relationships. And even through financial hardship, the amount of happiness that we still had for each other was, was really cool. And so kind of like the main thing I take with me today is to just focus on the stuff that's real, like who I impact every single day. Because, you know, if I talk to someone today, that might affect their next couple of hours and that might impact how they treat someone else. So my immediate reaction and the things that I learned was just be kind to people because you don't know 
the burdens people carry essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that, that's the main thing is just being grateful. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I'd love, I'd like to come back to that a little bit later um, because there's something to unpack about community and um, the way that it shows up through your work and um, your interactions and then gratitude as well. I think those are two, core pieces if we're living a life with you know more connection and more purpose so um i want to come back to that but in the meantime i'm just curious so fast forward a bit i know you um went into school for for fitness or um something in that realm i don't know the exact story but you decide to go into a career um uh, of fitness and, and helping others um, be healthier. Tell me a little bit about, about what, why you made that decision to go into that field um, at that point of your life. Yeah, for sure. So like even, so I'm just going to back up even before I decided to go to school for fitness, health and, and things like that. Um, in high school, I should have taken the signs that that's where I should have went right away. Um, I was always interested in training others. I even had people coming into my basement. I would train some friends. You know, the first person I helped lose weight was one of my best friends. Um, But I always had people that were like, you're not like specifically teachers and some close friends. You're not going to be successful as a trainer. Um, Mm. You know, I I remember one English teacher specifically was like, you're not going to make money. My friend does it. She struggles. And at the time, at 16, 17, you're like, well, these are adults and they're probably trying to help me. So maybe they're right. So initially, I actually uh, got accepted into fire engineering. Mm. And so I did that for a little bit. My grades were great. Um, You know, it was a fun program. But during the program, I can literally number the years that I could do that job for. Right. And I was like, I'm miserable. Like, I don't like this at all. And I don't want to sit down. And, you know, I started to go into, you know, a little bit of depression and kind of losing that purpose of like, why I I love living essentially. And um, it was one day, I'm like, you know, what? I got to get in shape again. You know, I was in shape all high school. I went to the gym with my dad, actually. And I was there geeking out about stuff that I just learned, um, which you have mm-hmm. probably seen me do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I remember my dad looked at me and he's like, what are you doing? He's like, you know what? Drop out. He's mm-hmm. like, drop out of fire. He's like, go do what you love. You're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. It was like a big weight off my shoulders. I'm like, you know what? Sweet. I think the next day, I went and I applied for the program, um, got accepted. And then, you know, that kind of took, took the wheel and I took the wheel there and like kind of, you know, studied harder and and had some fun through the fitness program. Mm. Um, so that's how I got into the fitness realm. Um, it came from, you know, failing at one thing, but really it was just a learning experience to realize that I should have just went with my gut at a young age and just stuck to what I actually cared about versus being practical in the society's in society's eye right and and but but it's it's tough for you know uh, a young adult um to to ignore the um advice of adults you know saying you shouldn't do this uh so 
and, and I think a lot of people, even if in, in our age, you know, um, in uh, when when they're older, still feel like uh, they have to take advice from others to feel like here's the track, you know, to be given the path, but instead kind of forget the importance of listening to our gut because there's a, there's a lot of truth that comes with how we're actually feeling um, at that core level. Um, did, so I, I don't mean to pry too deep into like that period of time, but um, how, how did you make sense of it? Like what, when you made that decision to go drop out from fire engineering and into um, a completely new field, um, how did you process that? Was that really just, you know, a, a moment with your dad and thinking, okay, I need to make this pivot or, or were there other factors that you were thinking about to guide you in that direction? Mm -hmm. it, it, it was definitely a, an accumulation. Um, I think I was trying to almost pretend that I was really happy uh, at the beginning of the year, like sweet, I got accepted. Uh, I met some really cool people. Um, but then there's always, it's kind of weird because it's just a feeling that you can't really explain. Something was missing. Mm -hmm. And you would kind of like, it became, I just stopped being excited for the future. And it was just kind of like, I was just going day to day. Mm. And at the time I was also, you know, I was a full-time student and working 20 plus hours at a local grocery store. Um, and, you know, trying to balance some sort of life with my friends as well. And I didn't realize how, how difficult that could be. And just having no, at the time it felt like no purpose. Mm. And I was kind of just like, man, like, I don't want to wake up, put on, you know, a suit and tie go to this job, design this, deal with these people. And like, it was just like a repetitive mindset. And I remember like in the year, I'm like, I could do this for seven years. I don't know why that just was the number that came to my head. I'm like, I can do this for seven years. Maybe I can do this for seven years. And then in my head, I'm like, and then what? Right. Right. And so, and then I, it was definitely a little bit of soul searching. I'm like, man, what do I love to do? And then I realized in my spare time, whatever time I had, all I did was search up fitness stuff, right? All I did was search up health. All I did was help my buddies work out. And all I did was, you know, try to get myself into better shape. And then I was like, you know, if I love this so much and that's where I voluntarily spend my time, mm -hmm. I need to dig more into that. I need to see what that's like and see it through and see if it's for me. Um, the hard part was the judgment of other people mm -hmm. of dropping out. And probably our toughest critics are our parents, or we, at least we feel like that. And so when I got that permission to drop out, it was like, oh, thank you. Like, I'm so relieved. Okay, let me just go chase my passion because you just gave me permission to do that. Yeah. And I'm super thankful for that. Right. Why, why was it so important for you to get permission? I don't know why, like, I remember, you know, and this is going to probably get, you know, a little more, uh, I'll dig a little deeper. It started to just affect who I was. Um, you know, my parents were starting to for sure get concerned for me. My personality was changing. I was, you know, 
as you know me, I'm a very lively person, high energy, and like I love to smile and have fun. And that was starting to disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just, like I said, just going through the day, just kind of like whatever, like on the bus, listening to my sad music and going to work, going to school. And I'm like, oh, I have to pay taxes for the rest of my life. Like I just had like (laughs) these like weird thoughts. And so I had one moment, there was definitely, there was one moment where I remember uh, when I was living with my parents where I actually had to call my mom down to my room like literally on the phone, which is weird. Shit just ran up. But, and I just started to break down. And I was like, I, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't mm. like what I'm doing. And it was that bad. And she, she's like, you know what? Just don't go to school tomorrow. I had a big exam the next day. And I think that was stressing me out as well. And then, so it was just like small bits. Like, hey, don't worry. You don't have to go. Mm. And so as soon as I started to feel like, hey, you know what, they they want what's best for me. And like, at the end of the day, that's, that's well being and like being mentally happy, then I felt like, okay, you know what, I can leave, I can, I can drop out of this thing and chase my true dreams. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now looking ahead, so you, you go, you go through this period um, where you're feeling uh, disconnected, um, you know, depressed, uh, soul searching in a way of what you're, what you truly want to be doing, but you have hints. So you take that leap to go into something new. Um, tell me a little bit about what that was like, kind of flipping the switch almost into this new world that you'd always been spending time, basically volunteering and, um, exploring on your own. Uh, what was that like going into the world of fitness for you? Yeah, it was, it was really fun. So it was during the, it was while I was in school. So it was like this fun little transition. So I was reaching that low and in an effort to turn that around, I was like, I need to do something. Hmm. Um, Because I I played competitive sports for most of my life. And, you know, after high school, that kind of stopped. And, you know, the objective after fire engineering was to become a firefighter. And so I just started searching firefighter training. And it so happened to be that Auxiliary CrossFit, which is the gym we're at, um, just finished posting pictures of their firefighter competition. Hmm. And I didn't know that. I was like, oh, they train firefighters. Sweet. Let me give it a try. Like, let me give it a shot. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I realized it was pretty expensive, you know, for, like I said, earlier on in my life, like we came from pretty, like from financial hardship. So at the time, $150 membership for two days a week was, was pretty expensive. So my mom actually helped me out for two months. And so I tried it out and I was like, man, this is great. I'm like, this is so cool. Like I met the owners at the time and the people there were just having a good time. And it was raw. Like at the time it was like in the back building, you had to walk a couple <laughs> minutes through this like empty hallway. Uh, CrossFit was very different back then. And it was like in this small room and it almost felt like your little secret. Right. It almost felt like, yeah, this is where people get really fit right here. Um, and then after a couple of, after a couple of months of that, uh, unfortunately I had to stop just due to financial reasons, but I knew right away. I'm like, I love that. Like, that's awesome. Hmm. And so, uh, I met up, um, a coach actually helped program for me and I would sneak into a, a local gym for like eight months. Um, is, is this in- a CrossFit gym or just a, just a regular gym? 
I would start to, I started to sneak into a local, like good life type of gym. Yeah. Uh, Don't ask how I would just sneak in and (laughs) I needed to get my lifting in now. And, um, until I eventually bartered with the previous owners, um, that I'll clean their gym for a membership. Yeah. Uh, while I started my, my schooling in fitness. And so for a good little while, I would clean the gym to essentially have a place to work out. Um, which is funny cause I still worked 20 plus hours a week, had full-time school. So sometimes I was just right. cleaning the gym just to have the membership, but I didn't always use it. But I loved knowing that I was helping out the community in a way. Yeah. Um, I eventually through that, uh, got an, uh, off campus internship there. Okay. Gotcha. And so through that off-campus internship, I started to coach. You know, I got my level one. Um, I was already learning a bunch of stuff from school. And now I was getting a chance to apply it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I started to intern uh, at Auxiliary. And then after that off-campus internship ended, they came up to me and they're like, hey, do you want to be a coach for us? And I was like, absolutely. (laughs) Like, let's do this thing. Yeah. It was a good time. I I love that. I love that story because, um, in, in so many ways, it kind of paints a picture on how, um, somebody who might not have the resources, um, and immediate know-how to get into the world made it happen. You know, um, the going in and cleaning for, um, the gym and getting a membership there, being committed to the, you know, program and uh, making relationships. That's how you actually get into new industries that you might not be um, uh, familiar with. And I just love the fact that there was no ego there too. Like you just went in because you, you, you were curious and you wanted to learn more. Um, it didn't matter what you were doing to try to get your foot in the door. It was just, yeah. Hey, I just want to, I just want to do this. So, so that's, that's wonderful. Like when you look back at that, is that something that, um, like, what do you think of that experience looking back at it? Was it crazy? Was it like, yeah, I'd still do it again. Or, you know, what, what ref- reflecting on that experience, what was it? What, what do you think about it? Yeah, for sure. It was, it was interesting. Cause you know, I'll just bring one thing up. I had a friend, a really close one too, who was like, I would never do that mm. for a membership. And in my eyes, I was kind of like, why not? Like, I'm not any better or worse for it. Like, I'm getting a gym membership. I'm cleaning the gym, a place that I'm going to work out. So I took more care into it. And it was just, it's just kind of what you said. It's that ego thing. Um, And I feel like I had to throw it out, especially growing up the way I did, where you need to, you need to grind a little bit and, and get uncomfortable if you have a specific goal and um, that period of time, it was fun. Like, honestly, it was like, it's fun because it's a process Mm. and it was like, you're laying a brick down every day and you're like, this is eventually going to be something. Right. And you don't know what it is just yet, but you're enjoying it for some reason. And that's when I knew like it, it, it felt right. Um, and it's funny, like I would go, I would work, I would do a full day of school or an exam. I'd bus an hour to the gym because that's how long it took. 
at the time and I, I would clean the gym and it just felt right. Uh, and, and, um, yeah, it was an interesting time because it definitely shaped my thoughts of work today. Um, it shaped that I have this weird perspective that I wasn't, the word value didn't apply to me until I proved it. Mm. Um, I had to earn my value. I don't walk around saying I deserve this much. Mm. I walk around saying, what do I need to do to prove to you that I'm worth this much? Right. And you know, if cleaning the gym is what I need to do to do that, that's fine. And I think my secret weapon is I am willing to do less. Uh, I'm willing to do more for less than the people beside me just to prove that I love what I'm doing more mm. um, or to get an edge on people. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, cleaning the gym for free and, and getting a member. Well, I got a membership out of it. It teaches discipline. Mm. Um, until this day, like I, I clean the gym and it, it just, it feels good. You put some music on and you just jam out and it's a different reason now. Um, and it's cool cause I now own the toilets I used to clean mm, and right. it's just such a cool perspective that I still clean those toilets. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that. Um, so let, I think, um, some of the listeners for this podcast, um, might not be familiar with with crossfit so before we go too deep into the world of fitness and, and crossfit could you um could you give us a kind of an overview of what crossfit actually is absolutely um you're in my world now no uh yeah, so <laughs> so crossfit it's it's a training methodology essentially so within the training methodology of crossfit you are mixing and matching every type of fitness stream out there. So we lift weights. We like to run. We like to swim. Uh, we like to create body awareness with gymnastics and everything in between. What CrossFit does is it takes the best and scientifically proven things that have been done around the world. And we try to put it into our program. And it's a general physical preparedness program, meaning we don't necessarily get you the to be the best marathon runners in the world. Mm. That's not our goal. Our goal is also not to make you the strongest person in the world. Our goal is to create um, physical competence in your everyday life. Mm -hmm. We want you to have the ability to not think about lifting the garbage can up. We want you to not be concerned with a two kilometer hike with your grandkids. We train you so your life isn't limited by your physical abilities. And, and to me, that's like the overall picture. And when I used to do foundations a lot, I would tell people, it's like, Hey, like my goal is to be 90 years old and take out my own trash. Right. I've seen people who have to rely on me now because they can no longer do that. And that's because of their choices. Mm -hmm. So let's make a choice now to, to just push the needle forward in fitness and health. So you can be independent one day. Right. So what does, um, what does a typical workout in CrossFit look like? Totally. Um, so the first thing I'll say is CrossFit isn't what you do today. 
nor is it what you do today and tomorrow. It's what you do over, you know, the span of your fitness career, essentially. So within a month, uh, one day we might, you know, pick up some heavy sandbags, throw it over our shoulder, let's say three times. Maybe we'll do six burpees where we'll get our hips and chest to the ground. And then we'll do 10 rounds of that. Mm -hmm. And we'll teach people how to lift the sandbag, uh, how to do it safely. We'll show everyone the favorite movement, the burpee. And we'll try to teach a stimulus or kind of like, what's the goal of the day? How are we supposed to feel? And then, you know, three, two, one, go. We let people go. They'll get through that. And then maybe afterwards, we'll do some sort of accessory work that will help strengthen certain muscle groups that we don't necessarily target in the conditioning setting. So maybe that's core work. Maybe that's uh, direct arm work. And then the very next day, it might be, you know, a five kilometer row. Like, let's hop on the rower. Let's do five kilometers. Something that looks completely different than the day before. Mm -hmm. And then the day after, you know, we didn't target, you know, too much vertical pressing at that point. So let's do some heavy push press and let's challenge ourselves there. And then afterwards, maybe we'll do like a high intense, uh, like high intense interval training scenario where now we'll do, you know, maybe a short amount of double unders and assault bike sprints, which, mm -hmm. you know, I know everybody tends to love. <laughs> so we, we constantly change things because our goal is to, the way I like to look at it is if you had a web and you had strength on one end, conditioning and gymnastics, we want to broaden that web as much as possible. Right. Yeah. Right. So let's say um, you're, uh, you know, you, you just start CrossFit. Um, you're interested, you're intrigued by the variety of workouts and becoming more, um, fit in a, in a broad perspective. Um, what should you expect in year one? If you're putting in the work every week, um, by the end of the first year, what, what should you have hoped to achieve? For sure. Um, you should increase your general fitness. Essentially, you should feel stronger, um, you should feel more aerobically fit. Um, your metrics should go up. You might see some body composition changes if you if you were eating a diet that you know was supporting your lifestyle. And you know, overall, the most and this is anecdotal. The most the common most common thing I see is is mental health. Mm -hmm. um, you should just be feeling good, feeling confident, and feeling like you can conquer your day. Um, and, and that's just the main thing that I see after people have done this for a year mm -hmm. is strength, general fitness, and just the way you carry yourself. Yeah. Where, where does the mental health piece, piece come from? Is it, is it the ability to like knowing your, um, knowing your body a little bit better, or is it just maybe, you know, your, your exercising, so your hormones are maybe in better balance. Like what, what about, yeah, what, what helps that mental health improvement? Yeah, for sure. So I think it's, it's all the above. It's all the above. Like when you know that you can perform a certain task, yeah. you're pumped. Right. You know what I mean? Especially if you couldn't do it a year before. Let's take yeah. a rope climb for an example. Say you come in, you struggle to climb a rope. I don't need to tell you you can't climb the rope. Right. You just can't physically do it. So now the only way you're going to do that is to work hard. Yeah. And at the end of the year, if you climb the rope, I was there to guide you, but you did all the work. Right. 
And so now what's happened is you've accomplished something through actually working hard. No one gave you that. Yeah. You had to practice. You had to earn it. You had to show up every day. And that's hard to teach. And when you do it yourself, there's just this great self-accomplishment. Right. And something as tough as, say, climbing a rope is, is going to make other tasks in your day feel a little easier. Yeah. And for some reason, that makes you feel pretty badass. <laughs> And, and, you know, it's, I think that's what it is, is people are happy when hard work pays off. Right. And so that's where the physical part comes from it. You know, another part is, is just a social aspect. You know, we're in a class with people and I have, I've observed this for the last, you know, while I'm old in my book for CrossFit, I'd say. And for one hour a day, your phone is on the side. And you're interacting with people, right? You're, you're talking to people from all walks of life. And that's the coolest thing. Like we have lawyers, doctors, paramedics, construction workers, teachers, moms, people that normally wouldn't interact with each other on a day-to-day basis. And now you bring them into these doors. They're all in the same class and they're all friends and they're, they all have this common goal and it really humanizes fitness. And it humanizes you where for that one hour, you don't worry about work. You don't worry about dinner. You don't worry about anything but yourself and the people that you're around because, you know, it's it, CrossFit's cool because it's the one place where the person who finishes their workout last gets cheered on the loudest. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't bring mental happiness, I don't know what else does. Like just having support from your friends and it's just really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the rope example because I was that person before I started CrossFit. I can, I can climb a rope. Um, and yeah, now I can climb it without feet. Like I can just, you know, bring myself up. Um, so What's amazing about that obviously is like, it's like a a direct feedback, like (laughs) the rope's going to tell you if you can climb it or not, you know? Um, So just to have like um, very clear feedback in how much you can lift or what you can pull up is really helpful um, because it's one thing to tell yourself you're a fit person. Like I'm going to CrossFit class or I'm going to the gym on a daily basis, but to actually be able to do it I think changes you at a subconscious level. Like there's only so much you can tell yourself you're that kind of person until you do it. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, James Clear, uh, who wrote the book Atomic Habits, had a really good analogy where everything you do, every habit that you do is a cast, is a vote um, for your identity. You know, you're kind of casting a vote for your identity. So with every, you know, rope that you climb or workout that you do, you're actually putting in the work to shift your own identity to be that person you want to be. And that is like more of a healthier, fitter, mentally healthy person. So I love that. And I also know from um, doing these classes, the state of kind of being in the moment for that hour is almost like, you know, just you're in that flow, you're in meditation mode, you're just like so focused. And there's, it's so rare to feel that in a day to day life when we're so distracted, but just have that hour to focus um, is, is pretty amazing. And, and the coaches, um, at auxiliary, I mean, you guys do a great job of creating that space. So, um, that's fabulous. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, it, 
it's just funny you mentioned about the coaches, like things have changed. Members have changed a lot um, in the last little while, right? Like I was first just, I was first a member and then an intern to part-time coach, to head coach and now owner. And when you, you know, before when it wasn't as busy and there was only 80 to hundred people, it was very easy as like one coach to interact with everyone. And when I started to get into a more of a leadership role, it was like, how do I keep that up? Mm. And immediately um, I was like, you know what? Like I can't do that to 200 and 250 plus people. It's really hard. But the one thing I can do is care about those that I interact with every single day. And, you know, the direct team I have is the coaches. So let me, share all my knowledge with them. Like I hide nothing from them. Let me be as kind to them. Let me share my passion with them. And the goal is they're going to do that same thing for the people they work with. Hmm. And so, you know, and and I like to think, you know, it it starts at the top and it, it trickles down and, and I just try to be as passionate as I can, hopefully, and, and hopefully they carry it on. And then, you know, people like yourself feel that. And then, you share it with three friends and it, the world's just a little better because of it. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. It really is. And the community aspect of um, auxiliary CrossFit and just CrossFit as a whole is pretty remarkable. Um, why, why is community so important to, to CrossFit? Um, and, and what are some of the ways that you build that? Yeah, for sure. So community, so if you ever played, you know, I, I like to look at like my past and, and team sports. You never want to see a teammate fail. You never want to tell your teammate you can't do that because now you're creating a crutch for yourself. So you need your team to thrive for you to win the game. And I think something very similar happens in a CrossFit facility. Hmm. I don't want you to not make that lift. I want you to be better because now you're going to bring that back to me. And it's just this constant feedback loop where we're going to keep pushing each other and we're going to make each other better. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen like football players when they're doing a one rep max, like the whole team is, is pumping that one athlete up. Right. Right. And you know, it, it takes a village to raise a baby kind of thing. You know, I used to read about that and I think it's true for CrossFit as well. I think, instinctively like we want to support people and we want people to support us because you know you can you go much further with the team because hmm. you know and, and you can probably speak to this as well how many times have you walked into a gym not feeling it and then all of a sudden you're performing so well and it's, it's because of your environment right and and i think that's why community is so important in, in the crossfit realm it's because hey you might not be feeling it that day but let me give you my energy. Mm-hmm. Let you feed off of me. And we're going to make sure you have a good time. And you leave like, that was good. I'm happy I walked in there. Um, and even from a coaching perspective, it's, it's the same on my end. Like I can walk into a class with like a massive headache and three things could have went wrong on the way to the gym. But as soon as I call everyone in, that stuff doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Right, and it, and it's because the people in front of me need me right now and it's just the power of being around people it's it's 
you realize kind of like what I mentioned back in the beginning of the podcast is like interacting with people that you care about makes those things that weren't, didn't seem that appealing. Like it doesn't even matter anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's why community is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of transferable, um, ideas there to our own communities in our life. So, uh, you know, obviously if you belong to a CrossFit community or any community, that's, that's part of who you are. Um, I can see trans, you know, transferring some of those principles there with your own friend network or your colleagues, your work, um, because those are communities too. Right. And if you don't have, um, the, the place where people support each other and pull out the best in you. It's, it's really hard to be the best version of yourself because we are so impa- impacted by our environments. Um, yeah, for sure. And like, it's important to, and like this specifically to a growing community, as communities grow, it, it becomes less stable because mm-hmm. there's just so much more people to impact. Right. It's like, if you ever go to a small town, everybody knows each other right? and everyone gossips and this and that, but like bigger cities, like say Toronto, you don't know everybody in the city. And so as the community gets bigger, it's like, how do you create that? How do you create that tightness still? Yeah. And you do that through consistency, through being present as much as you can, um, creating environments like a team workout Mm -hmm. and or creating social outings, you know, Mm -hmm. where we joke around at auxiliary, the AM crew meets the PM crew. Right. Right. And create this unity. Cause at the end of the day, like say those outings, it's like, Hey, like I haven't seen you in a year, but we do the exact same thing. And for some reason that makes you close. Yeah. That brings you together. Yeah. That's so interesting. There's definitely a shared bond, even if it's like somebody I haven't met before in, in this community, there's a shared bond that, Hey, we, we put in the work, you know, we, we've gone through some difficult workouts, um, that bring us together. Yeah. Um, so the, you know, the main, um, kind of topic that, uh, we, we tackle in this, in this podcast is all about purpose and Ikigai, um, which in Japanese means the reason for being, uh, the reason you wake up in the morning. And we kind of touched upon it earlier, but um, I'm just curious, Nani, for you, what, what's your ikigai? What drives purpose in your life? Yeah, ever since, there was a moment where I wanted to be a professional soccer player. And I had to try to a- answer that question early on, like why? Mm. And it's carried on till today. I simply want to inspire other people to be better. I simply want to show people that no matter where they are at in life, they can push the needle forward to being a better person, to being fitter, healthier, uh, more grateful, happier. And, you know, at what level am I going to do that on? I'm not sure. Um, I do it at, you know, the level I am now. And I, that's mainly it. I want to wake up and make sure that I make, I make a positive impact on at least one person every day. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone comes in and, and, you know, I find it a big win when someone comes in and you can tell they're a little out of it, but then you get that text message later. It's like, Hey, I, w- I want to let you know, like I felt a little better today after yeah. that. That's why I do it. 
that's why I wake up. It's let me help you feel better. Let me inspire you to, to, to be happier, whether it's athletically or emotionally, just all that. Yeah. I love that. Um, how, how do you do that on a consistent day-to-day basis? Um, when, you know, your energy level might be different one day to another, you know, maybe you're not feeling it and you're just like, okay, this um, might not be my immediate priority right now. Uh, how do you make sure that's at top of your mind and the, the way you show up in the world? I think it's, I think it's, it's just consistency. Yeah. And, you know, I talked to, uh, I talked to the coaches about emotional deposits. Um, and what I mean by that is, let me, when you come in, let me use your name. Let me say, Hey, how are you? Let me fix your technique. Like all these little things. Let me find out about you. I'm, I'm giving you emotional deposits. Right. So I'm showing you who I am and that I actually do care. So if I do have a day that's off, you know, that's not a a, a good day for me probably because Mm -hmm. I've already had conversations with you. And so that might be like a withdrawal that day Mm -hmm. where, um, maybe you're like, you know what, Nanny was like a little off, but you know what, like, he's probably really off. <laughs> right, right. But honestly, like, and maybe you can speak to this too, like, I don't really feel off. I'm, I'm always on. And a good piece of advice that I was given um, at a very young age was, you know, your don't bring your problems to the table. Hmm. So when I walk into those gym doors, you know, what's happening in my real life. I, I put it aside because more often than not, they don't really matter. And you don't deserve to deal with that. Hmm. The people I interact with every day don't deserve that. And so I sincerely, sincerely think about that every day. Like when someone walks in through those doors, I have no idea what kind of day they had. Right. Like, I don't know if they just won the lottery or if, a close loved one is just got sick. So the number one thing I need to do is be kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's free. It's easy. It doesn't take much effort. It's, Hey, how are you? Let me help you. It, it, it's in my opinion, not that difficult mm-hmm. to inspire people. Um, with it being my main goal, because it really just comes down to being kind. Right. Um, and when you're kind to people, it makes you feel good and it makes them feel good. And, you know, I, a, a recent example, you know, someone, I remember someone came in, their bike tower blew out and I'm like, here, let me help you out. Like, let's figure this out. And, you know, I tried, couldn't help that person. At the end of the day, I couldn't help them, but they, they ended up saying like, I had such a bad day. And like the fact that you were willing to help just made it so much better. I didn't even get the desired result, which was to help them with the bike tire. But the effort put in to being kind and genuinely caring made that person's day better. And that's a win. Yeah. I love that. Um, What, um, so you're, you're in this moment now where, um, you're, you're the head coach of auxiliary, auxiliary CrossFit, and you're also one of the co-owners of the, the business. Um, how do you see your, 
Ikigai evolving maybe in the next few years? So do you see it changing or is it, is it still something that, um, you know, around just making people better as, as I think you said, um, it, will that still be your goal in the, the years to come? Uh, yeah, I think my main, I think being inspiration and helping others will always be the main goal and the foundation. And I need to constantly remind myself of that. Yeah. Um, because the bigger, you know, the bigger it gets, um, it, you have to create strategies on how to keep yourself true to your morals. Mm. And, you know, being a business owner, yes, you want to see your business grow. You want to put food on the table, but you never want to forget why. Um, so I'm pretty good at reminding myself like, Hey, I used to, I used to clean this place just to be here. Right. Um, you know, like, like I said, I, I, I own the toilets I used to clean <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I need to always remind myself of that to remember the, the true reason why I'm doing this. It's because it makes me happy. It's because it gives me an opportunity to make others better. Um, and through that, whether someone's there for a day or six years, if, 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 if they're happier and because of it, then, then I've done my job. Yeah. I like, like I, yeah. And so if this come, if it, say it grows to five gyms, as long as people who walk in feel better, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, so as we wrap up, I'm super grateful for your time. Um, and I feel like we've opened up a, a lot of different doors that we could have gone down pretty deep on, but, um, just reflecting on this conversation, what, what do you feel like was most surprising to you as you were and sharing a little bit about yourself. You know, just talking about all the stuff, it, it, you know, it was hard to pinpoint some stuff. I've had a lot of interesting things happen in my life. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just reminding myself, like kind of reminding myself through this podcast, like, yeah, like, you know, my family went through some hardships and, and you need to do things to, to stand out and, put, put your ego aside, you know, do the free work hmm. kind of per se and, and just get involved. There's no secret. Just get involved, work hard, be true to yourself and good things happen. Yeah. And that's, that's essentially it. Like I, I don't see um, myself going back and changing anything. I think I would do it the exact same. And I've mentioned it before to friends, family, and business owners. Like if everything, if I lost everything tomorrow, I would be okay. Cause I, I know I'm willing to put in the exact same amount of work hmm. and I'll, I, I'll try my hardest to recreate what I have. That's awesome. Well, um, I want to thank you, Nanny, for your time. Um, uh, I, I think there's a lot here that um, we can unpack. I think we covered a lot of ground around what yeah. it looks like to, um, you know, learn from, learn from hardship, um, learn from, you know, trusting your gut and following a path that's connected to who you are, um, doing the hard parts first. And I, I really resonate with the idea of just, you know, just make somebody's one person's day a little bit better. And that can be a success for your own day. Um, and so, you know, I'm excited to practice that in my own life, uh, showing up in that way a little bit more. So, um, Nanny, again, I want to thank you. Um, looking forward to putting this out there in the world. And 
yeah, any last words before we wrap up this conversation? I um, just want to say thank you for bringing me on. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. And I was super happy when you reached out. And uh, honestly, if it's one thing to say, just just be kind. It's free. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of that, a lot of where that came from. So we can spread more of that in the world. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Special thank you to Hugh for the theme music. You can check them out at hearhue.bandcamp.com. If you'd like to learn more about the Ikigai Project, you can check out my weekly blog at ikigai.blog. And that's it for now. Take good care, everyone.